Hello and welcome to another Creative Waffle podcast. Today the show is brought to you by Creative Waffle Live 2019. You can come to the live event of the Creative Waffle podcast, the first one ever. Uh, it'll be in London on the 6th of July 2019. The tickets are only £10. There'll be live talks, live Q&A, a live podcast recording, and a chance for you to ask questions about the creative business world. So all the stuff I don't teach you at university, like contracts, uh, the money side of it, and how to get clients, how to speak to clients, all that sort of side of the, of the creative life. The stuff that don't teach you, you'll be able to learn at Crazy Waffle Live 2019. And the tickets are now available down in the link in the description of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. Also, whilst you're listening to the podcast, if you enjoy it, you can get a Creative Waffle pin badge just like this by leaving a review on iTunes. That is a text review and only on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called these days. And not only do you get a pin badge, but that also helps the podcast really grow. So I really appreciate it if you do leave any reviews or share it around on social media. Whilst you're listening to it, share it, take a screenshot and uh, just post it onto Instagram stories and tag us at Creative Waffle. And that's enough of the adverts. Today's podcast is with another member of the footballing design community, Mr. Phil Galloway. Phil's work is absolutely out of this world. His love of Renaissance art has a huge impact on his work. If you haven't seen it before this podcast, I recommend going to check it out. And today on the show, we discuss his background, how he got into doing art and, and illustration and digitally painting, working with some of the biggest names in sports and tech. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between me and Phil. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. Hi. So uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, uh, who are you, where are you from and what do you do? Uh, my name's Phil Galloway. I am an artist and illustrator, I suppose, um, both fine art and digital art. I live in Cheshire, uh, just outside Northwich. Um, and mainly at the moment, I create uh, illustrations for sport, really, mainly football, um, but various other things. And yeah, <laughs> have nice. a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what's your energy? What's your yeah? Sorry, what's your education? What's your growing up? Your background and um, how uh, you... went through the usual one. Did GCSE art and all that kind of shenanigans, and then did A level, and did my A level art, and wanted to have a little break from it for a little while. So my original plan was to go to university to do uh, English. All right. Quite quite keen on being a journalist or some kind of creative writer, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Aberdeen University, I got in there, and through, because you've got to pick minor subjects there, you've got to pick kind of supporting subjects, and I picked art history as my one of my minor subjects, and just fell in love with it straight away. It kind of rejuvenated uh, all my, my love for art that I, you know, I had at school, which kind of dwindled towards the end, because you're so busy at school trying to finish all your projects, you kind of, you don't want to pick up a paintbrush or look at another Rembrandt for a wee while, but when I was up there and studying it quite in depth, uh, with they had like the leading experts in Baroque and Renaissance art at my university. It just, something went off in my head and I just fell in love with it again. So I switched my, uh, my major course from English to art history um, and did the four year course and yeah, lived in Florence for a year studying out wow. there um, at an art school out there. And yeah, so that, <laughs> so I came through that and, and then went into the world of retail and all that rubbish that comes after uni, not doing a job that's related to it in the slightest. <laughs> well, was, what was the point where you found uh, sports illustration and, and combining that with your love of art? Pardon, sorry? What, what was the point where you found sports illustration and, and you combined that with a love of oh, art? Oh, really random. I mean, I, after I left university, I've always been doodling and drawing. Right. Um, but it was always just a hobby after that. I, I worked in a bit of retail and then I, I started uh, teaching in special needs schools. 
Okay. Because um, I found that if you had a degree, a master's degree, you could uh, you could go in as like a support teacher quite high up and uh, and just learn the ropes while you were there. So I did that for the uh, for about thirteen years, fourteen years, um, working my way up to eventually running a special needs school um, and being a behavioural specialist within that field, uh, which was cool and I loved it. But there was a lot of politics and rubbish that goes behind the scenes the actual working with the kids and being creative and was fantastic I absolutely loved that side of it and but all the while um whilst I was working I was always drawing and everyone you know you'd go to the pub or you'd have friends over and they say like why aren't you doing that for a job and I, I don't know you know and so the more that kind of started happening the more I, I realized that's what I want to do um and it's a big story but I mean I can kind of go into a short <laughs> um, basically whilst I was I was teaching um, there was a you know towards the end of the holidays you put on a video for the kids and you kind of chill out a little bit so they were doing that and I just got a new phone um, from Nokia um, a big kind of phablet thing and I was doing a finger painting on it and this was the first time I'd ever used digital arts like I'd, I was always a pen and paper paintbrush kind of guy and I did this little finger painting of a fish still life on a plate and posted it on Twitter with, to about my 30 followers at the time. I was like, oh, dead proud of it. And Nokia and Microsoft, because Microsoft had just bought Nokia, uh, their community um, side on their, on their social media, they got in touch straight away and were like, we've never seen anyone use it like that on the phone. Can you, can you do a bit more? So I said, yeah, yeah, of course I can. And that's when alarm bells started going off that maybe this could be a new avenue. So I started practicing a bit and they asked me to do a few tutorials for them for their website. And then I won a competition with them for doing portraiture on the mobile phone. Um, and so that's when the, the ball really started rolling. I was like, I, I could use this. This could be my new thing, my new medium to kind of get into. But all the while I was still teaching. Um, and they invited me to, to be involved in an advert. And I was saving up for the, one of the computers, like what I'm using now, the, the Surface tablets. Um, and they knew that. So I did this advert with them where, that, where I had to kind of sit shivering in the ice, like doing portraits of people at a Christmas market. And it worked really, really well. It's dead successful. Um, and so they very kindly gave me a, the tablet to kind of get me started as like a payment for it. Um, and that's when I just thought, right, I'm going to do some sport portraits and see how things go, because I'm obviously big into football and big into stuff like that. And it was a little while later, but um, yeah, it was spotted by, uh, I, I kind of sent a message to the lads at Mundial uh, magazine, and they'd seen some of my stuff and were like, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> and that was it, really. So by that stage, my, my other job, my teaching job, I was kind of looking for ways of coming out of it. But obviously, you've got a, I've got a family, I've got two kids, got a mortgage. And I know uh, I've heard on a few of your interviews, everyone's kind of saying it's a, the same thing. It's a scary step to kind of go, right, screw that. I'm going to be a freelance artist. Mm. Um, but that's eventually how I got into it. There was an opportunity to come out. And then I got this break with Mundial. And I thought, now's the time to go for it. And with the support of my family and my partner, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome that's a great story uh, so your first your first client was microsoft and uh and nokia I know, yes just start at the top <laughs> just just cut out the middle man <laughs> i couldn't believe it when they got in touch i mean it, it was all from i i, I was basically I had a, a few glasses of wine at night on, on twitter and i was moaning about one of my phones my my old iphone and i was moaning and moaning and they said oh we'll, we'll send you a new phone to try and it was this 
big thing, and they literally just kind of plucked me out of thin air. Well, and after you've done the illustration, so after, that after you've done the drawings. Well, no, no, no. That was, that's how I started on their phone. They, oh. they literally spotted a, a random tweet that I drunkenly made, and that that tweet has basically set up the path to here now. Wow. Really, really weird. I wonder how many companies do that. I wonder if, if they do that often. I don't know. They were really good. when Nokia with with Microsoft. I mean, the 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 teams on both of them are really good on the community side of things. Um, but they had this like kind of crack elite team of of kind of social media guys who were just dead friendly and really on it and were picking up on any kind of people who were disgruntled with their phones and they were just you know dead keen. So it just like I said, it opened the door to a whole new world that I hadn't. You know, I thought I was going to go and just paint or draw. And then all of a sudden you're working on a screen and the possibilities then of, you know, not just kind of what you can achieve, but your turnaround time. If I, and because I try and paint digitally like I would with real paint, mm. if I was doing that on canvas, it would take weeks. Whereas with that the turnaround time, you can do, you know, a Renaissance picture in an evening and yeah. it's wow. weird. <laughs> I speed do that. How long does it take to get that quick? Uh, it took a while. I mean, initially I was, yeah, ridiculously slow, <laughs> but you kind of, wow. Find ways of not cutting corners, but basically just speeding up your work process as you kind of go. But right. uh, and hopefully the the standard and quality still is there. So, so we're going back to school and that, and you always wanted to do art and and, and do pursue art. Um, what was what was it like from other people? Because obviously there's this famous saying of you, know, you never make any money doing art, or you, you know, even being a designer. I was quite fortunate in so much as the the school that I went to was very keen on if you had a kind of skill or an aptitude in whatever subject they would push you they were, it was very a kind of old, old school kind of oh captain my captain kind of school that basically they wanted you to kind of just strive in the world of, of what you were good at and um, whereas like my brother went to a school where he's my brother's a very very good artist as well but he was told by his school do science don't do that you'll never make any money and i think even if i'd have been told that i'd have thrown two fingers up at them and said no because that's the kind of character I am but my school were massively supportive so when I said uh, you know I want to do art for a level they didn't try and push me on to maths or you know biology or something um thank god actually they were you got a talent for it then you obviously seen that you've seen your work and seen that you know this yeah I mean there was I, again I was quite fortunate that in my class there was a lot of very very good artists we just had a good year because sometimes arts in schools when I was teaching it was exactly the same you'd get a handful of very good artists in there with with kind of raw talent and ability um but unfortunately you'd get a lot of people who thought of it as a, a mess about subject and they took it because they thought it was easy and actually there was more work in the art a level than there was in my english a level uh, you know and, and, and for gcse so but it kind of gets that reputation and, and it's a bit of a shame because you know there's so many creative jobs now because of social media and things like this that you know schools should really be battering it you know what i mean and getting these kind of the next generation of kind of artists to come along but no i was very fortunate they were they were they saw that i could could do something and, and thought well let's try and harness that and get him through his a levels and then we'll see where we go from there so that's great yeah, what, what was the difference like between, because I did art at GCSE, but not A-level. What was the difference like for you? What was it like, is it a lot bigger step up in? It, it was, in so much, I, my art teacher at GCSE got us through, but probably by the skin of our teeth. He, he was a bit old school, 
Um, he didn't really handle the class too well, but fair play to him, he got us through. But we weren't really following the curriculum as we should have, I don't think. You know, it was very random, you know, one week paint an alien scene, the next week, it was just random. Whereas we got a new teacher in our A-levels came in, uh, a chap called Mr. Roderick, who, small little Welch guy, looked like Napoleon Bonaparte, he was brilliant. But he, he just transfixed us. He got us looking at art and art history that we'd never even considered before. Um, so lots of American modernism, lots of things like this. And so it, not only he challenged us to raise our game, because the standard was so much higher. If I'd have just continued what I was doing in GCSE, there's no way I would have got the A, you know, or, or any kind of near, near that. But he made us look at art a little bit differently, a bit more conceptually, and use different techniques. And yeah, so it, it, it was a big jump. Um, I mean, I was still, I, I was quite surprised to get the A because I was quite ill in my lower six. I had um, some weird stuff uh, with, what was it called? I can't even remember what it's called. Uh, I had like this kind of mild disease. It sounds quite strong, strong but it wasn't. But it just basically made, made me not able to work on my schoolwork for a little while. And so basically in upper six, I had loads of work to catch up on <laughs> when I was all better. And, um, and yeah, so uh, that's part of the reason why I wanted to kind of do something different at uni because I was so fed up of trying to catch up all my artwork because it was, it was tough. A-level is, it is quite hard, yeah. Is there a lot of writing to go, going on in the art world, in, in GCSE and uh, A-levels? Do you have to write a lot about older, older artwork and other people's stuff? Yeah. In, in the A-level side of things, yeah, you, you had to do, let me try and remember now, you had to reflect back. There was a lot more, I remember we had to make a kind of booklet, um, basically about art history and our influences. Um, and so I was concentrating mainly at the time on kind of uh, impressionism and a bit of American modernism. Uh, my kind of renaissance thing came a little bit later. Um, so lot, lots of like Jackson Pollock and, you know, the kind of standard school kind of, <laughs> but everyone goes like, yeah, Salvador Dali. But this guy was getting us to look at, um, this teacher was getting us to look at kind of uh, Hopper and uh, just really um, lots of German uh, modernism and stuff like this, um, Kirchner and all this. So it made us start thinking a bit more, but we did have to, yeah, there was a bit more written work, definitely. So what sort of stuff you're analysing though? I'll get back onto your story in a minute, but I'm interested in like uh, the, the analysing of art and analysing of, of design as well. Like how, what sort of stuff are you saying in the analysis? For, at, at A level? Well, just in general, like if you're analysing a piece of art, what, what sort of stuff would you be saying? Like, um, well, I suppose this could, the kind of ideas and notions that they teach you at A level to kind of look deeper than just what the image is. So you look at kind of what it symbolises, is there any kind of... Uh, or the meaning that the, the artist or political reference or whatever it might be. And then I suppose when you go into your university stuff, that's really when you kind of pin down what was happening politically at the time, what was the, who was commissioning it. I suppose it's looking at like your sources, you know, in history at school, you had to look at whether it's a red top, whether it's a tab, uh, uh, you know, a broadsheet, whether who wrote it. And it, the same thing in art that there's basically, there's clues everywhere within pieces of artwork, not just on the kind of, aesthetic it's like why was something made i think it was it's just as important so i think he kind of because that mr roderick at school he if you think like that then you really think why do i want to do a piece of art what do i want to say rather than just to make something that's aesthetic um or just that's cool 
why, what are you trying to tell a story? And so I think that kind of analysis, as well as just the breakdown of how it was made, I suppose, because, you know, we did a lot on um, pigments and the stuff, you know, the, the, the egg and pasto and all this stuff that the uh, egg, temp uh, egg tempera that um, da Vinci was using and all these kind of things. So it's, you're kind of getting into the nitty gritty of, of all elements of it, really. Right. And some people found that really interesting. Some of the people were just at the back, kind of like, yeah, twiddling yeah. the paintbrush around or something. So I always remember trying to uh, having to analyze. I'm not really good at writing in English, and uh, always having to analyze stuff. That was always my downfall. That was always the bit that I would I would fail on. And that's probably why I didn't get as high as level as I could have done in, in a lot of sort of arty and crafty subjects. So I was always better at the other creative. Yeah, stuff. I think you've got to. I suppose just. There's different periods of art where you can analyze it slightly different, but they all kind of come down to the, the same kind of base rules, if you will. And it's this being the same through time and it's form, composition, medium uh, and why, you know. And I was involved in, in um, the, one of the Sky Art shows last year, uh, Sky, the, the great, oh, I can't even remember what it's called now, the great uh, uh, British... What was it called? Anyway, where you had to basically, uh, isn't the name's completely gone from me, um, where you had to analyse paintings in galleries. It was a bit of a competition, which, which I went on to win, but that, <laughs> that's another story entirely. But you had to analyse paintings and see whether, which were fakes and things like that. And, and that was quite good because it rejuvenated a bit of kind of my stuff that I did at uni in school. Um, but you were looking at composition and kind of, you had to talk about all these weird and wonderful things. And they were marking you on what you were saying. And so, um, but what I found through doing that, no matter what period of history you're looking at, that there's always these base rules that you kind of follow. And that's what I try and follow in, in my work and try and get those kind of, those parameters in there, yeah. Nice, awesome. Um, so obviously you say your brother's an artist as well. What about your mum and dad? Because I'm always interested in how the influences passed down, if any. Um, no, my, my mum, honestly, by her own admission, couldn't <laughs> couldn't do anything. Um, my dad enjoys it. He he can doodle, he can draw. He, he's not bad, and there's a few of his paintings up around the house. Um, and I think it's something that he'd like to kind of give more time to. Um, but I always remember growing up and watching him uh, get very annoyed at paintings. <laughs> so I think that was always kind of there in our homes there was always art there but me and me and my mum my and dad's first memory of like me and my brother kind of properly interacting not just baby interacting but like where you're becoming mates and and friends was they used to look at us and, and like on the floor and our bums would be in the air as we're drawing on the floor on pieces of paper and so that's their abiding memory of us too because we just we lived we, we used to draw like uh, we, we used to go to france on holiday and we used to draw get, get these um smurf books and we used to copy the smurf cartoons and i always wanted to be kind of more of a cartoonist kind of thing initially um, and my brother was very good at that kind of stuff as well so yeah fun fun memories of that that's cool i, I like i like to hear stories about that and how, how yeah how parents influence um florence and what what did that like what age did you go there to florence yeah yeah um well <sighs> I was in, after my second year at uni, I was a little bit concerned that some of my minor subjects were affecting my grades in my major subject because I was having to do, I had to pick really random courses like meteorology, astrology, right. Right. Uh, <laughs> Scottish history in the 14th century. It was just like, ah, oh, you think it wouldn't clash with art. I, they were terrible subjects, you know, no disrespect to anyone <laughs> who loves that kind of stuff. But, uh, 
and so my my art grades and my English grades were just starting to kind of slip because I just didn't have the time. So rather than completely crash and burn, uh, or just slave away and, and you know and do rubbish across the board on everything, um, I decided to drop out of uni um, and with the intention of coming back the year later. Um, so I, I did that, and uh, it was a bit of a a bit of a random one, but I, I applied to get into the British Institute of Florence to do art history course out there. And I got accepted. And so basically, yeah, I moved. It wasn't a full year, um, but it was long enough that it got the spark back. I kind of, I, I, I say I rested, I didn't. I basically partied a lot and did a lot of art history, but it was brilliant and I loved it. Um, but living amongst the art that you've been studying for so long, and like literally like my second flat that I was there, you open the window and there's the Duomo, there's the, you know, literally two minutes around the corner, you've got Michelangelo's David. It's, yeah. you can't have any more than that, you know? So I came back kind of really just keen. I didn't care about doing Scottish politics by that stage or any other subject. I was like, I'm just gonna nail it, let's go. So I finished my degree then. That's a bit of a dream then moving out to, to be amongst it all. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was awesome, yeah. It was, uh, we were, it was just a fun time entirely, not only because of like the, the influences rubbing off on you, but it was good to kind of meet people from different walks of life and on the courses and, and, and from all over the world. And it, I think it just gave me a lot of, a lot of confidence to, um, I don't know, I think I just kind of grew into myself when I was out there a little bit more and maybe got after a little bit of party and kind of came back with a bit more of a mature head to kind of like, let's get head down. Uh, things like that, and just came back with a, a rejuvenated and wanting to kind of crack on and finish the degree properly, you know. Well, so after university, what happened? You, you said you had to get a few jobs and, and... Yeah, I kind of initially just, you know, was looking for anything really that would, would kind of get bring some money in. I moved back in with my parents um, and I got an, uh, I tried to get a job with a, um, an art company, like an art retailer. I wanted something in that field, you know. Um, and I didn't get the job with the art company. I got the job with their sister company, which was like film memorabilia, which is cool because I'm, I'm, I'm well into that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. But I kind of flicked between the shops and it, 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 it was no different than working in a JJB or somewhere like that. You are basically just walking around, sorting a frame out here and there, dealing with people who don't want to buy things. and it was mind-numbingly boring and so I did that for a little while and that's when my brother who uh, had by that stage become a teacher himself he just said well why don't you do teaching if you can't find something arty I'd applied for jobs doing kind of uh, working in art galleries up in Glasgow and all over I was trying to do something arty and he was like just try try teaching what well, you might as well get some money kind of coming in um, and so I did and uh, I but I didn't want to do mainstream. I wanted to work in special needs. There was a special needs school nearby. And after a few supply jobs, I got a position there um, and loved it. Loved that side of it. It was, it was fantastic and thought, well, I can do something. I'm going to try and work my way to maybe being a special needs art teacher or an art therapist. That's how I thought I could use it. Um, and yes, yeah, so I worked in quite happily in that area for, for quite a few years. Yeah. That's a cool job title, isn't it? Art therapist. I like that. Art therapy is cool. It's 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 unusual, but it, I mean, I read up quite a lot on it. I, I was very very keen on applying and doing courses. I just needed the kind of school support, and there was never ever a budget for it because they always usually had an art teacher established who were usually, I don't know, no disrespect to people, but 
a bit set in their ways. Whereas I came in with like all these crazy ideas. Hey guys, let's do this. And they're like, no. Um, but I started reading up a little bit more on it and looking at courses online and, uh, and on YouTube and things. And so I did bring some of that into the classroom to kind of work with the kids. And there's enough, when you've got, you know, either special needs or behavioral difficulty kids and they've got the hood up and they don't want to talk to you or for whatever their, uh, their special need is, they, they, you know, whether it's autism or whether they just detracted from you and, and don't want to engage in you, whatever, whether it's behavioral or not. Um, there's no better way I found and literally if I would just start drawing, whether it would be like a little cartoon character or you draw, I don't know, someone from, depending on the kid, you know, if you, if you do someone from Tekken or, you know, Mario or something like that, yeah. they'd usually go like, you didn't just draw that. I'm like, well, well, I did, but so you've already got them chatting. And then from that, you can build a rapport really quickly. You just throw them a pencil. And I think once, once kids kind of get over the, the fear of a blank piece of paper in front of them and just start doodling. You've got an instant rapport with them and you can build on that and it gets them doing something. So I often used art as a kind of way in. Art and humor is always the best way. That's good, yeah. Um, It's strange because like artists and graphic design, it always always seems to be that thing after university where everyone's fired up to do it, but it's always, maybe you can't get a job or, or, like even Dave Will, he's talked about it before with me, and he, he said, you know, he's had had previous jobs, and I think he's working in a library, if I remember rightly, hmm. um, and and just different different paths that other designers have to take before they get into the actual creative world. Is it how? So. Yeah, yeah got, you've, you've got no. I think you've just got to do whatever it takes because you come out of university or college with all these kind of grand plans and and unless you've got a bit of support behind you or a bit of finance or savings or whatever life takes over and you need to, things are moving on. I mean, I, I was with my partner and she, you know, she's a little, just a little bit older. I've got to say that <laughs> otherwise I'll get in trouble, but she, she's a little bit older and she wanted, she'd left uni by this stage and she wanted, you know, the house, the kids, the cars. And so I was already kind of thinking, Oh God, I better, you know, you can't just, sit and draw and, and wait for it to come to you um so you have to t- kind of take these other jobs but if you've got that determination that if you know in your heart this is what i want to do i want to be an artist or i want to be an illustrator or work in this industry you'll make it work by doing it in your spare time you know what i mean i was coming in from work you know knackered after you know quite a volatile day at school with kind of you know or, or driving the minibus with like 17 kids in it screaming at you and effing and jeffing and whatnot um and you come in you'd get tea sorted and i'd go and draw or i'd go and work and you've got to put the hours in to kind of make it i'm sure like you know all the all the plethora of daves that you've interviewed they all kind of it's, it's, <laughs> i just kind of collect the collective day uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they are they all say the same thing if you want to you know and everyone says it if you really want it then it doesn't seem like work. You'll put it in because you, you know you, you know it's a stepping stone to something greater than what you're doing now. And I think that's the same across any kind of creative industry. I think or any job that you really really want. You know. Well, why do you think it's so hard to get into it straight away from uni, right? Because you go you get, be a scientist and and, and you you go to university to become academic subjects and you, you tend to. I don't know. Is this true to get a job? You tend to get a job straight away, or is that not true? No, I I I, I don't I think like so. That. I think. I think it's um, I think it's tough for a lot of people in in a lot of industries. There's there's gone are the days where 
you kind of came out with your your skill and your degree and you you know marched right up to the door and you went in because all right because i think everyone more people are going to university um and less people are staying doing the kind of more manual uh, skill trades i think people you know, a lot of people have gone to university who probably wouldn't have chosen to go to university 30 years ago. And that's no slight, it's neither good nor bad. It's just, unfortunately, some of the, some of the kind of more manual trade skills are, we're, we're losing, whereas people kind of go to university and think, that's me sorted for a job. And then they get a very harsh wake up when you're not going to get a job in that. You've really got to, and you might never get a job in that. So, you know, you've really got to work hard to kind of either open the doors for yourself or put yourself in a position where you get seen or you get heard or, um, you know, I, social media is an unbelievable tool for, for, for the likes of us to kind of get our work out there and to get it seen. But for a lot of kind of, this isn't meant to sound patronizing or anything, but for a lot of young people kind of coming through who've grown up on the X Factor generation and the Britain's Got Talent, they think that it will just happen. And you can get quite disillusioned if you think that because it doesn't, you know what I mean? I, I, I when I left my job, my teaching job, even then, I, even though I had, I'd had a few football you know, illustrations by that stage, it was two years of rubbish, you know, of, of really hard, uh, you know, smaller jobs, just keeping it ticking over. You know, we really kind of weren't stru like, struggling but we had to keep a tight finance over two years and it's only this last year for me that it's just kicked off and done really well if i'd have given up over those two years i'd have been really gutted and i think people have to realize you've got it no one's made a millionaire you know or made a fortune or got to the top of the tree overnight it's taken graft uh, unless you're a euro million winners <laughs> or something like that so, so would you still recommend going to university for students or creative students yeah, definitely. I think, you know, if the opportunities are there to learn and do more, then absolutely fantastic. But I think you've got to realise that it's not the only way. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not the perfect kind of example of someone who came out of uni and then is doing what they're doing because there was a 15 year, year hiatus between doing that. And, and I think if it wasn't just for me being so pig headed and, and annoyed, at, you know, I didn't want to wake up at 50 and go, oh, I'm not an artist or I'm not doing what I like. So I, I wanted to make it happen while I'm still mildly young. Um, but I think if you can go and you can get into a good college or you can, and you've got that aptitude, I think people, if they've got a true skill, I think people have got to be honest and families have got to be honest with individuals and schools have got to be honest that, you know, if you've got the skills and you've got the talent or, you, or you've got the passion and, or you, there's, there's, there's something, there's a spark, because not everyone's got it at a young age. Some people, they only find that they're really good at sculpture or graphic design or vector art when they're 40, you know what I mean? I think, but no one should have any blocks. I'm waffling a bit here. I'm kind of going away. But no one, I think what I'm trying to say is no one should have any blocks. If they want to go to university, go, you know what I mean? It's a fantastic experience. It will help you, if nothing more than just experience meeting people looking at new ideas rather than maybe spending those three years living at your parents house or you know what i mean with mates in a, in a flat that you might not have that experience that kind of lends itself to furthering your own creative skill i think so i'd recommend it i loved it it was a it was a top time that's awesome that's good that's good to hear because it's, it's definitely a bit half and half i'm finding now when i'm talking to people about that 
and um, yeah, it's good to hear. It's good to hear. Yeah, uh, I mean, but like I said, if someone has got a, you know, is is good at carving, or then go and learn how to be a, you know, a, a master craftsman, or go and learn how to be a, a carpenter, mm. because we need those. You know yeah. what I mean? They are just as important. And most of my mates who, like one of my lad, my mates at school who. Um, you know, he, he wasn't academic by his own admission. He, he just bumbled around. But he was good at building stuff. And he sacked off school at GCSE. He was like, I'm not doing uni. I'm not doing this. I'm, he literally did the bare minimum. God, his GCSEs. Started laying bricks. And he's earning more than all of us now. He's just, you know, he's got his own building company. He's flying. So I'm like, yeah, all right. And that's what he should have done. If he'd have gone to university, it would have been a waste of his talents. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's just good. Definitely down to the individual then. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Moving on to a different subject. Uh, the okay. Surface Pro. Uh, yeah, how come you didn't go Apple? Because there's a lot of creative, obviously, probably on the Apple side these days. I know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not involved in the kind of, I'm not a fanboy. I'm not involved in the war. Um, it was literally, like I said, I hadn't given any thought to digital art at all. Um, at the time, and I mean, I used to have Apple phones. And my last Apple phone was the Apple iPhone 4 which shows how far back we're going. But it was a good, it was a good phone. Um, and I loved it. But what I found, and this is what I had my late night drunken rant on Twitter about, was that at the time, and this is not Apple now, but at the time I felt that the iPhone and the early iPads were very much for kind of consuming, not creating on. You might have done something kind of, oh, it was always look at that, but you'd never do anything with it. Um, and I just said, oh, you know, I'm getting annoyed with my phone. I want something that I can create on. And that's when this big phone got sent to me from Microsoft and Nokia. And I suppose that's why I went down that path when I was offered the Surface Pro. We hadn't had an iPad. Both me and my partner didn't see the point of getting an iPad for just watching Netflix on or something. Because we're not people who sit and read in bed on a tablet. I, if I'm going to read, I'll read a book. If I'm going to draw... I'll draw downstairs or in the office or whatever. Um, and if I'm watching TV, I'll watch TV. So at the time we didn't really see the point in it. And so when Microsoft came knocking and, and then off very kindly gave me my, my original Surface Pro 3 um, a couple of years back, um, it was only then that I was starting to realize what I could do on these things. But I still, even on this new one that I've got, um, other than work, I don't use it for any kind of, consumerism or any watching of movies and stuff. And I suppose that's why I've never really needed an iPad. Um, but I am considering getting one. <laughs> oh, there <we> go. <laughs> no, because there's a few programs on it, like Procreate, um, which you can't get on Microsoft. And I suppose because I'm not like on either side of the fence and I'm not opposed to Apple, it's not like, oh, I don't like them or anything. It's just, I've not been on that in the Apple infrastructure for a wee while. And, um, and my partner, who's she's a product and uh, graphic designer and packaging designer, uh, and she's on Windows as well. And she gets asked the same thing, like, why aren't you using, uh, aren't you using Apple? Every, every creative uses Apple. And she's like, no, because when she deals with the Chinese manufacturers who you know, build the, the products that she's doing, they're all on Windows. They're not on Apple. So it's not as kind of, and I think there is a definite, kind of backlash this last couple of years, like loads of people I know have been switching to back to windows. Really? Yeah. Because you've just got the touch screen. And I think if Apple that's thing, yeah, that's a good point. 
so I, I, this is the only computer I have in the house at the moment, my little Surface Pro, uh, it's the new one, Surface Pro 2017 one, um, not the new new one. And, but I do all my work on it, all my invoices, all my artwork, everything in one thing. I've got my USB microphone into it. There's things on this that you just can't do on the iPad, but there's things on the iPad you can't do on this. So yeah, swings and roundabouts. But for me, and, I mean, the, and also I must say that the support Microsoft have given me all the way through has been unreal. Like they've been really championing my work and I've been out to Barcelona with them. I've been, you know, doing different things. They've, they've been unreal. Um, and just always just helping me out. They're getting me involved in loads of different projects. And yeah, they're, they're a good bunch. And whereas I've not really had much dealings with, with Apple. So if you listen to Apple, I'm here, get in touch, you know. <laughs> I hope they're listening to this. Yeah, sponsor the podcast, you know. That's yeah, exactly. What... <laughs> that's what I <laughs> um, Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's a fair reason. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so how do you find the difference between the physical materials and then uh, digital as well? Because you can get very realistic on the on the Surface Pro now. I yeah, think. yeah. There's, um, I mean, it's always going to be different, and I don't think it will ever fully replace, you know, traditional mediums because there's just something whether you're good at bad at them or just enjoy using them. There's something just so tactile and tangible about right. whether it's you know chalk dust or you know charcoal crumbling under your thumb or oil paint and yes it's bloody messy and yes it's you know sometimes it's a chore and your house stinks of it and you've got paint all over the dog and you're getting in trouble and but there is something lovely about that or oh, the smell of paper and I love all that and you know I can still remember how my old art, <clears throat> art room used to smell at school and nothing will kind of ever take that away but I mean I've had a few, you know, fine art kind of commissions and portrait commissions using charcoal and stuff. Not so much painting because I just not had the time. Um, but the digital side of things, because it's so realistic now, you can get so close. There's so many good programs and there's some amazing things where you can tilt up your tablet and the paint runs and, you know, it, it, it's ludicrous. You can spin the tablet as well and it makes like a color wheel. and It's just nuts. Um, but... It's, it's, it's how far can it go, you know, and, and you see some amazing people using, you know, virtual reality. I had to go on, oh, oh there we go, back. I had to go on um, these virtual reality, painting in a virtual reality space. And so, you, you know, I was stepping inside my portrait and just weird things. And uh, there's so much kind of that can be achieved with digital. It's a magical thing. And, and I think people's perceptions of it are changing, that they are seeing it more as a, as a real art form, well, they, they see it as art, but in terms of when you print off a digital piece on canvas and you varnish it, it's pretty close if you, you use the good program to kind of see the difference. And I've, I've had a few exhibitions, been involved in a few exhibitions where people have been, you've seen them going up, scratching the canvas and it's, you know, it's not there, it's not real. And um, so it will never replace it fully. Um, and it's, I think it's yet to be seen how digital art art i suppose not just kind of commercial art but digital what people are, if people are trying to do what i class as kind of traditional art in a digital way i think the jury's still out on how that will be seen in 50 years time will will uh, not saying me but will the, the digital artists of this moment who are cr creating kind of modern art digitally or you know will they be looked upon as you know the david hockneys of 
even though he's using digital art now as well. So he's kind of bridging the gap. So it's an exciting time to be doing it. You know, I'm kind of glad to be involved in it, but I don't know. Some people love it and some people hate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've always liked the look and, and like you said, like the tactile feel of it, the tactile feel of the actual, uh, the traditional media, but, uh, but yeah, it's easy to take it around and it's, it's so portable. I think it's, it's just a good balance of both. I think that's, yeah. that's what I think it's, I mean, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I was just a traditional painter. There's, there's no way I could, I mean, you, there's some fantastic watercolorists and, uh, and painters who can do things quite quickly. There's no way I would be able to do that. So <clears throat> when the likes of Bleacher Report or someone, you know, Nike or say they want a massive renaissance scene in three days, four days, there's no way I could do that. Um, so to be able to just lug it around under my arm and sit you know, in front of the wood burner or whatever and paint makes it almost kind of even more magic, you know what I mean? So I suppose it's different experiences. And I suppose the, the programs that I use, it is very like using kind of malleable paint. You can almost, you can push the pixels around with your thumb. You can, so it's, it's as close as you're gonna get without getting messy, I suppose. I like um, Let's talk about the, uh, the big World Cup piece you did for I can't who was it for the, the big with the 32 teams yeah, yeah, yeah. bleacher report yeah how, how long did that take um is that a question you get a lot I bet you get asked that all the time yeah like, <laughs> um no it's cool because some pieces take a lot longer than others um it depends kind of what people want and how if people want it really realistic or you know whether it's loose and expressive or, or whatever because i'm trying to mix it up a little bit with different styles and some styles are quite quick that particular one i think i have four and a half days to do it yeah wow. is a, a bit tight yeah um because originally i think it was going to be about a week and it was getting kind of pinned down and but by the time i'd actually started on it, i think it was four and a half days um so i did two all-nighters where i just stayed up all through the night and got it done. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. It's such a beautiful piece. So, Thank what, you. What did you do on the Surface Pro? Did you? It was on the Surface Pro using uh, an art program called Art Rage 5, which is pretty much what I use for most of my stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's like the, so the Microsoft equivalent of, uh, of Procreate. Um, it's, not, it's not a Microsoft program. It, it's, they're their own kind of thing. They've just made an app. You can get Art Rage on, um, on the iPad. All right. Um, and it's it's really good. Uh, I'm, I do a, I do a bit of work with them, and they're a really nice bunch. But I found they basically created this. Essentially, what I when I first started, what I wanted to be using, I found they'd created it. The fact that you could see the texture, you could build it up, you could put paint kind of with a palette knife and build it up. And they're quite clever. But it's not they they do it for it's on Microsoft and iPad and all sorts of different things. So it's definitely worth a look. They'd love me for saying that. They're all, <laughs> I'm always trying to champion it, but they are. They're, they're, I think Procreate on the iPad is definitely one of the best I've seen. Although I've not really used it that much. Um, for me personally, on Manga Studio is pretty good, and obviously people are amazing on Photoshop and stuff like that. I'm rubbish on Photoshop. I'll be the first to admit, I'm terrible on it. Um, whereas Artrage is, it just you've got a canvas, you pick your canvas, you've got your paint. And you mix it. It's pretty. It's just like the way my brain works is. It's perfect. Nice. Well, again, you know, if if they, if they are listening to this, <laughs> yeah, no, they should. I'm, I will. I'll let them know. They're really. They're, I'm always trying to champion them, and I do. I'm do, going to be doing a lot of YouTube videos in partnership with them in the coming. Awesome. So, but yeah, yeah. That, that Bleacher Report one. Um, it was. Yeah, 
it was a pretty epic when they said, can you do all 32 teams? Like, yeah, I can. Um, and it was good, but I really enjoyed it because it was right up my street. I'm big into Renaissance and Baroque art and to, to have the opportunity to do something that they said that, you know, this was going to be their kind of flagship image for their World Cup and their banner and everything. So I was dead proud to be involved. Bleach were really good to work for. They kind of come up with some cool ideas and let you go on, you know, and be crazy with it. Um, and obviously working for such... I mean, they're huge. It's, it was just a real kind of, it was a big boost for me then to kind of get work with them. So. And what is it like working with these huge clients? Because you've worked with all the top people in the industry, all the sports industry. Um, it's great. I mean, I've, I, I'm not just saying that, that I've not really had any bad experiences at all. That, um, you know, I think it, it, it's, an, it's always an honour to kind of get asked by anyone to kind of do produce work, you know, um, but I think with each one, you, you kind of learn a little bit more. I mean, I'm, I'm still, compared to these other guys, you know, um, your Dan Ladens, your Marcus, your, the Daves, uh, yeah. Scott, um, I'm really, really new to all this still, even though this is only my third year doing it. And the first two years was kind of finding my feet. So every time I kind of get a bigger client or a big client or a big project, you, you learn from it a little bit more and you grow in a bit of confidence of how to deal with it yourself. But what I've always found is just, you know, if you're friendly on time, you kind of meet the deadlines. If they want sketches, you give them the sketches. If you kind of keep them in the loop and, and just be friendly and nice and professional, yeah. you're always, you're, you're always treated the same back. And um, like I said, I've had absolutely no qualms. Everyone I've worked with, um, it's been fun and I've always wanted to kind of go back and work with them again. There's no, there's been no kind of, um, there's been no issues actually. So touch wood, it kind of, carries on like that. that I've heard that from, from everyone, I think pretty much, pretty much everyone, yeah, they're all, because you're, you're working with, because I think from, I'm waffling on again, uh, the, the younger people, I think they see, man, you know, working with Man City or working with these big football teams or big sports agencies or, or TV programme companies. And mm -hmm. um, you're not working with a big company, you're working with a guy at the company. Yeah. So, well, that's it. There's always, a, there's always a port of call at these things. And I think people when I talk to my mates in the pub and stuff, they, they, when you hear, like, like you say, oh, I've just done a piece for Man City and Copper 90, or I've just done a piece for yeah. whatever. And they don't really picture, you know, you just dealing with a, you know, like you say, the one guy uh, or the one girl or, or whatever it might be. They, they kind of just see the big picture as if, you know, Pep Guardiola's just sat me down <laughs> and I've just drawn him, <laughs> you know, in the nude or something, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, that's not what happens. And, um, and that's, I think I've got a good rapport. Hopefully, uh, you know, they, they feel the same way back, you know, but each individual or team of individuals within these companies, they've all been really cool. And they've kind of been, they're in a job, whether it's kind of creative director or artistic director or whatever they, their role might be, because they've obviously got an eye for it. They've got a passion for it. And, mm. you know, so it's not only nice to kind of be picked out by them for however they found you, but it's, you know, they've got, a lot of them have got really, really good ideas and, or, or are open to kind of discuss back and kind of, you know what I mean? And hear your take on things and, and you, you kind of come to where it will work, you know? And, and I think going back to what we were saying before, how has it been, you know, in terms of like developing with some of these bigger ones that, you do grow in a bit of confidence to kind of have more of a, an open dialogue with these people. And, you know, cause with the Nike one that I, I did with, um, with Mundial for Totti's boots, um, it, originally it was going to be a completely different composition. And 
And I kind of was like, oh, do I say something? Because the composition they wanted wasn't a traditional Renaissance composition. And which is called a pyramidal composition where everything is kind of, you've got your kind of main information and your three characters or, or points of information. It's a bit of a rule that you've kind of got, <laughs> got to stick to. And I was like, oh, do I say anything? I'm, you know, I'm a bit of a noob on this. So I just thought, I'll be nice. I'll just say, look, I really like your idea and it will work aesthetically, but it's not a Renaissance composition. I said, can we just try something? And they did, and they listened, and they said, right, you've got over the weekend to kind of come back with some sketches, and we'll listen to you. It's good when you kind of get feedback, and, and that when you give feedback as well, that you kind of get listened to, and, and you've, I've kind of grown with that, and I didn't know um, initially whether to say anything, because you feel, you know, you get your commission, and you want to do it to the letter of the law, but I, th I suppose they're kind of, they're not just hiring you, for the image they're hiring you you know for your knowledge or maybe about your the style or you know of the history of it or whatever the piece might be whether it's a pastiche or a portrait or something like that and i suppose like i was saying with the the kind of nike thing that um with the nike totty piece that was quite early on and i was still quite fresh faced and like i was still on you know couldn't believe i was getting a, a a job with nike it was through the mundial boys it was it was ridiculous and um it was a big piece of work. I knew I had a lot to do. And, but their initial idea, I just didn't feel it was going to work um, compositionally. Um, it, it was cool and it would have looked great, but it, I, was, I was being a bit of a stickler for tradition and rules. So I suggested this, like I said, this kind of pyramidal composition. Um, and fair play to them. They said, right, you know, have a doodle over the weekend. And we'll have a look and see if you're right. And, and after the weekend, I kind of showed them the picture. I felt very kind of, here you go, sir. But they were, they were like, this is great. We love it. Let's go with that. And that kind of really gave me a lot of confidence to kind of uh, to move forward in that. And, and they were, you know, it was a really tough project, but it, it by the end of it, it, it was made a lot smoother because it was a, you know, a two-way thing all the way through. So yeah, all the clients I've worked with, it's it's been a good working relationship, no matter how hard or how big, big the project. And everyone's been really kind of kind and understanding. They, at the end of the day, I think some people are a bit worried that these big brands, you know, people think of them as being faceless, but when you're dealing with an individual there, you know, they understand, they might have kids, they might have this, and they understand, you know, if I'm aiming to work through the night one night and one of my kids is throwing up or something like that, that's life, you know what I mean? I, I will try and hit the deadline and, and, you know, nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, I don't miss it. But they're very understandable, you know, along the way, so. That's good. Yeah, uh, it's definitely that realization that uh, they're not actually scary, they, they actually, they, they look. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And I think, you know, initially, you, you, you want to work with these bigger clients because that's the aim of the game. Um, but it is quite daunting about, you don't know who you're going to meet there. You don't know who you're going to speak to. And, and also you want the end result because you, you worry, I suppose, especially starting out, um, but you worry all the time that you, you want to create, because it's for a big thing, uh, no, you know, for any job you want to do your best, but it's always in the back of your head. It's like, oh God, this is going to get seen by millions of people. I might not work again if it's rubbish, you know? So you want it to be as good as you can. Um, uh, but I think once you kind of relax and you get to know the person you're chatting with and, and, and you know, you, you understand exactly. I think the main thing is just understanding the client's brief and 
interpreting it quickly and efficiently and professionally and nicely. Uh, and once that happens, it's, 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 it's quite cool. It's, it's easy. And um, so, yeah, I, I enjoy kind of meeting new clients all the time and, and it's brilliant. I like that side of things. Awesome. Uh, we, earlier on, you said about social media and you said uh, that's how you, you, it's easy, really great to use to get uh, clients. And how, how do you go about doing that? And do anything you actively do? Um, well, initially, it was a question. I just thought I need to get content more so than anything. And what I didn't want to do is, um, you know, an opportunity lands at my door, but then they look through and then there's not really much to show of anything. So my initial aim with, with social media while I was still teaching was try and get more work out there, try and get more work just online. And, and I think Dave said something similar um, in um, uh, Dave Flanagan in one of the previous ones that, you don't quite understand how these things get picked up, but they do get seen because people's jobs are to kind of look for these kind of things. And so you get the odd little sniff around or commission or it might be, but I wasn't getting anything kind of within the football world. What what happened with mine and, um, was I, I'd seen um, Mundial magazine and I thought these, these boys are up and coming. They know what they're doing. And they've done, I think, one issue or two issues before. And Sam, one of the lads there, um, who's very, Sam Diss on, on Twitter, very funny. Um, I followed him for a little while and he just put a, a message out there saying, we're looking for content for our next issue. If anyone wants to get involved, drop me a line. So I just thought, oh, screw it. Let, I'll send him something and, and send, him a, send him a little example of my work. And um, again, very polite, not trying to be a fanboy. You don't want to try and come across like you're sucking up too much or anything because you know they've heard it all before and all the big companies especially have um and he had a look at my work and originally they wanted me to uh they said yeah yeah we'll get you involved and they wanted a robbie fowler um image for one of their editions but then that got scrapped and i was like i was dead disappointed i was like oh no there's my chance gone and and then sam got back in touch a couple of weeks later said actually we want to use you for the cover do you know anything about baroque art and caravaggio i was like I did part of my dissertation on him, yeah. <laughs> so, and that was it. And that was that was the the big break into football art for me. That was so. I'm forever indebted to the boys at Mundial for that. So awesome, yeah. Their magazine's awesome as well. That's a really, really good one. Um, I've really got. I think I've got an. Uh, got a copy of one of them here. I think. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, yeah, they're cool. I mean, they've just got they've got the right attitude. They're they're, they're hardworking, and and it was just nice to be involved with them. But because of the exposure that cover, I mean, it got a lot of lot of attention for them because it was so different. I mean, there was Totty holding Totty's head. It was loads of people were talking about it. And all of a sudden I was kind of thrust into this football world. So I said, I remember saying to my partner at the time, my girlfriend, I was like, am I a football artist now? Is this what I'm doing? And, and she was like, yeah, I think so. Go with it. And, and so that's, you know, and it was from that cover that my name was remembered for the BT sports stuff. That's so it kind of all stemmed from there, really. It is more of a, a snowball effect. Yeah, the more you do, the more you get, and the more you do, you know. And and again, you know, a lot of the other guys have been saying the stuff that when you're not busy with other things, if when you do personal work or experiment, it usually generates more stuff. And I mean, this last year, I've been a bit, a bit not good at not because I've been so busy. It's been great, but I've not had much chance to do much personal work to kind of develop new ideas and little projects and things like that so hopefully um because you don't want just i think 
if, if you've got your own style and you've got your own vibe, you, you don't just want to stagnate in it. You want it to kind of keep progressing or, or offer new things to, you know, new skills. So that's something I'm going to be looking at doing a little while. But yeah, it's like you say, it does snowball from, from the chance happenings on social media or, or whoever you meet, you know what I mean? Mm. You've just got to be alert to it happening. Absolutely. I think, I think it's this LinkedIn. Have you ever used LinkedIn much? Cause I've not I've, much. No, it's, yeah. I've never kind of, I think because I used it when I was teaching, I always saw it as kind of like LinkedIn, <laughs> you know, and that's doing it a massive disservice. Cause I know loads of creative people who use it really, really well and get jobs through it. Um, I suppose I should use it a little bit more, but again, I mean, this isn't in any way meant to kind of be tooting my own horn or anything, but this year has been so busy. I've physically not needed to do that. Um, so it's literally as one job's finished, another person has emailed come in. So, um, but it is something I think I will, I probably should really look at it and have a bit more of a LinkedIn presence. So yeah. If it's working, yeah. Don't yeah, something. well, that's it. Something seems to be going okay. So hopefully it will continue. Otherwise, I'll be definitely on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, you know, the funny thing is about the football creative industry is that from the outside, everyone sees football fans as these big macho, macho blokes with pie eaters and big yeah. drinking beer all the time, um, you know, swearing their heads off and fighting at each other. But there's, there's this amazing group of creatives that are, are focused on football yeah. and um, they're all really friendly, they're all really nice. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's really amazing, and uh, just just to be a part of that, and I think that's, it's, yeah, I love it. I love I love talking. No, to exactly. I think it's it's opened my eyes to a, you know, I've always been a football fan and never really seen this side of it before. And like you say, there's so many good writers, artists, uh, just commentators, just just speakers about football. There's so much beautiful stuff. I mean, it is a passionate game, and and there is always going to be the kind of dark side to it. But it's so nice to kind of be involved in a. In a, in a kind of arena where there's other like-minded people that want to kind of create either aesthetic or beautiful or thought-provoking or challenging or use it to kind of do good in charity or whatever. And it's nice when you see such kind of swathes of um, football fans kind of coming on board and wanting to be part of it. And you're always going to get the idiot, you know, if I draw a certain, you know, a football team that someone doesn't support or whatever, you're going to get, you know, slagged off. That's the nature of, you know, there's always going to be someone shouting at the clouds. It's just the way it is. Um, but for the most part, I think it's, it, you know, it's such a powerful thing at the moment, the way social media is and football are using each other, that it's creating these lovely kind of movements. And um, yeah, it's, it's been, I think it's been really positive for kind of football and kind of, for kind of, you see how it's being used for kind of campaigns for like, you know, uh, mental health and, you know, uh, testicular cancer and things like that. It's it's good when it works. It's brilliant. So, lovely. Um, finally, the last the last few questions that I, I sort of ask everyone on the podcast. Mm. So, what's your best bit of advice for new artists or young creatives? Um, oof. my partner's dad, when he was alive, used to say, and it's always kind of stuck with me. Um, when everyone's going one way, you go the other way. And he was a really successful businessman, this. And, and you can use it for all areas of life. Um, and I think what I've taken from that is that just basically do your own thing. Don't try and, you know, learn from other people, learn from other people's styles, learn from people's techniques, learn from YouTube, learn from everywhere. But ultimately, have your own thing and develop it. You know what I mean? 
um, because you'll never, uh, I mean, I know on, on the last one with Dave as well, he was saying that, you, you know, there's so many people who are excellent at doing these things. If I try to copy one of those other guys styles, it would be awful. You know what I mean? It would be terrible. I'm not a vector artist and never will be, you know, I'm not a, um, some of the things that, you know, like, um, Marcus Marip, um, produces just stunningly beautiful. I would never dream of doing that. So find your thing, whether it's cartoony line drawing, whatever it might be, and just hone it and refine it. And once you've got that style, you'll have an identity already. Um, and hopefully by that stage, you'll have confidence in the, your own work to say, this is what I'm doing. And no matter where, how crazy it might look or how, whatever, there will be people wanting it. Um, you see people, I mean, it's quite funny, like listening to my mom, who's like my biggest fan, um, but she looks at other people's art and she doesn't, and some other people like coming through and she says, oh, I don't see it because she, she's of the mindset of everything should be kind of photorealistic or realistic or look like a painting. And I'm like, no, no, this is bloody brilliant, this stuff, because I wish I could draw naively and get this kind of thing. It, it's really nice. And so I think you've just got to have the confidence to do your own thing. And, um, and yeah, don't just follow the herd, do what you want to do and just stick to your guns and, I don't know, there's a, to get kind of poetic about, there's a Robert Frost poem about two paths and always tread the path less trodden. And uh, so when everyone's kind of going that way, just keep on and be confident with it. And there will be, you know, opportunities or, or, you, or you'll just be, you'll find that your style will develop to work in a way that works for you as well. So, but yeah, don't just try and mimic, I think is the best thing. Which is strange saying that because a lot of my artwork, I'm asked to kind of mimic old paintings. So I'm kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's like sports, sports, like people. It's, it's it's in a different way though, isn't it? Like and now you're doing it with like digital, like digital um, media, and rather than paints, and it's it's in a different way. But you're still, it's you're showing your love of that. I think. Yeah, I think that's it. And again, you know, that was driven from what people were asking for, and I think. You, you kind of develop and I think another advice for young people is just like take on board what people are saying and if people are asking you to do something then you know you, you can develop your own style from what people are asking as well and it's just to be open but just driven to develop something new and, and that's fresh in your own I think and and don't be disheartened there's so many um, fools out there on Twitter who you know will will put you down straight away um, and You've got to, if you're going to put your artwork out there, it, it will always be, you know, open to criticism at, from so, at some point. And don't worry about that. Don't even read it. You know what I mean? Just keep going. And um, I mean, I had some awesome comments on one of my YouTube videos last night, which I was creasing myself laughing about. And if I was, you know, not thick skinned about it, I'd get really upset. <laughs> and it was from one of my really early videos from when I was just starting out. So I could imagine if someone, was kind of quite timid and they'd got those comments when they were first starting out yeah. so just be polite don't lower yourself to their tone just be polite be kind and i think my other advice for kind of aside from developing style and stuff is exactly that just be nice to people be polite be professional online um i don't like to use my kind of social media too much to kind of voice any political opinions any swear in any of this because ultimately there's a lot of young followers who i've got 
who I don't know their age. They might be kids. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be swearing, effing and jeffing. If I'm going to have that, that will be on another Twitter account, which I'm not actually set up. But try and be as, you know, show a social, a personal side. But I think there's a time and a place for that kind of stuff as well. And um, yeah, I think it's just kind of come across professional and cool and yeah, be nice. <laughs> and have a laugh. Yeah. Um, next up, what's your best purchase under £100? Oh, God. <laughs> um, does it have to be art-related or uh, can it be anything? Anything, literally anything. Um, I got a 12-string guitar for 60 quid. Nice. But it got stolen at university and oh. it, I, it was like the love of my life, this guitar. Um, <laughs> That was, yeah, that was £60, I remember getting it. Um, that was pretty good. After that, I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. There's been, there's been a few classic computer games that have been, I've got cheap <laughs> over the years. But mainly, I think probably my guitar would be up there, definitely. Nice one. Or an old a couple of footy kits I've had, you know, some old, old school Liverpool kits I've found along the way. That's one. My favourite Liverpool kit, oh God, um, I liked the, I, I, I loved it as a kid as well, the, the shiny green with the three white stripes, Ian Rush era. Yeah, I know. I loved that. It just felt like it was like made out of satin or something. <laughs> it, was, it was horribly 80s, 90s tacky, kind of, <laughs> but I, it was great. You say that, I like, I like the one with the, the checkers, um, the one that they sort of replicated like last yeah, year. Yeah, the, the kind of, yeah, yeah that, actually, I like that as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that was quite cool. Uh, but there's some amazing kits. That could be another podcast in itself, kit design. Oh, God, yeah, definitely. I love it. My mum got rid of loads of our kits like by accident. I think she gave them to our cousins in Ireland. So, yeah, I had all the old German kind of, all those, the classic really expensive That's ones now that you can't yeah. buy. Yeah. Thanks, uh, mum. <laughs> there's also program design as well. That's what I think I want to do next year, next season. I want to get myself involved in a football club and do all their program covers. Right. The program covers are absolutely beautiful from retro ones. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's some really amazing ones. Yeah, um, I'd love to do a bit more of that. I've not really been um, been asked. I've got magazine covers, I get quite a bit of, of stuff, but I've not really had any kind of program covers. So if there's anyone listening, definitely, uh, definitely be up for that. Absolutely. Yeah, sport. Do you see sport team? Do you follow sport team press much? Yes. Yeah, that stuff's cool. Really good. Well, recently, uh, really yeah. Um, anyway, uh, finally, how do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Yeah. <laughs> um, God, just to, to be remembered would be nice. You know what I mean? I think I've always wanted to kind of get into something creative. So not only for myself to feel that I've kind of fulfilled like what I wanted to do, but to kind of leave some kind of legacy for my children and their children kind of coming along that, you know, not just a family with internal, like that's something that's kind of, on there and it's a historical document that they can look and go yeah my dad did that you know what I mean and, and oh that's my granddad and I think that would be the nicest thing just if I was to be remembered and, and seen that you know I did something um, I don't know that was mildly artistic and that looked kind of cool and um, but yeah if I could there's a few projects I want to get going that would be cool if I could be remembered by them, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, I want to I try and combine some of my charity work that I was doing for like the special needs stuff and the mental health stuff and um, with what I'm doing now. And I think 
yeah, I've got a few years to kind of hone how I'd like to be remembered. But at the moment, I'd just like my, my kids to remember me for not being the idiot dad who's just running around all the time and, you know, dancing around. and t- Well, actually, I do want them to remember that because that's cool. But if they kind of can see that, you know, there is an alternative path. It's not just a, you know, a nine to five. There's, a, there's an alternative thing for, for, for adults to do. And, and also, I, I suppose in a way, I'm waffling again, but um, my daughter saw the change when I was really stressed in my job um, and leaving a job at whatever I was, 34, to go and do something that you're passionate about is, is scary. And if, if there's one thing that I'd like her to remember me is that to have the, the courage and the gumption and the determination to change what you're doing for the greater good of the family. I think that's what ultimately, that's the best one to end on. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's very nice. Um, where can people find you and say hello and, and reach out to you? So the, on, my, uh, on my Twitter, which is uh, still Filthy Arts, because that was like originally what it was called. My nickname at uni was Filthy for various reasons. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope my mom's not watching this. And, um, but yeah, so it's Filthy Art, P-H-I-L-T-H-Y Art. Um, and on Instagram at Phil Galloway Draws. And there's my website at www.philgallowaydraws.co.uk. Um, and yeah, just look me up, have a chat. I'll always answer questions. I enjoy meeting new people and it's good. Nice one. Well, thanks very much. Been yeah, thank you very much. I'm sorry if I randomly <laughs> went all uh, over the show. The name of the podcast is Creative Waffle for all that reason. So wow. it goes down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect guest. There you go. <laughs> thank you very much. It's been no, good. Thank you. Cheers, Mark. All right, mate. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate your ears and your time listening and just spent on this, spent on something I've created. Thank you so much. Do go check out Phil's work. It's, it really does always blow my mind how detailed it is and how incredibly uh, lifelike his paintings are. And I always love chatting to another member of the design football community or the sporting community that loves design and, and uh, just shares that huge passion for sports like I do. So thank you very much. I'll see you on Monday for another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. See you in the next one.